Hi and welcome to episode 10 of This Dental Life. In late 2007 I was approached by the Royal Australian College of Dental Surgeons to present a program on contemporary dental business systems. This program was presented in Melbourne on June 13 and 14, 2008. This podcast forms the first part of the introduction lecture to that series and more of these will be forthcoming. That the college has got me to talk about this is because it's very important to be a good dentist, and I think we all would like to do better than we can do. Uh, but if you don't have a successful business in which to operate, then you'll never get a chance to do that dentistry. And uh, when we left dental school years ago, well, years ago for me anyway, um, there's lots of people who are very good dentists and, and probably graduated with first class honours, something I've never been guilty of. And when they started practice, sometimes they found that just being a good dentist isn't enough your ability to communicate with your patients, your abilities to run a business are incredibly important. A couple of things happened to me to make me become some sort of alleged speaker on this. I was, I'm not going to say expert, but someone who speaks on this. And one was that one year um, when I was practicing, I got to the end of the year and I was about to buy a new car and my accountant said, you really can't because you lost money last year. Now, this is a practice that had, um, at that stage, two dentists. I don't think we had a hygienist then. And uh, we actually turned a loss. And I thought, like a lot of things in life, when things go wrong, I'm not a motivational speaker, don't worry, I'm about to sell Amway and talk about the secret. I realised that that's an opportunity to learn from that, and I thought, I'm never going to let that happen again. So I've made the mistakes, I'm not going to list them all here today because we've only got two days, but I've made plenty of mistakes and I've learned from them, and what I'm trying to do is give you the benefit of that. In both, um, not only a knowledge transfer method, because all I'm going to do is try and transfer the knowledge that I've gathered, uh, which is really just a matter of giving you the information, but also most of the speaking I do to dentists is to get them to change their behaviour, so I'm actually getting them to try and do things differently. So on one hand, the college really wants me to talk to you about systems, on the other, they probably want me to, and I'd like to try and see if I can change some of the things that I presume that you do in your practice to make it more effective for you. These are pictures of the practice that I work in. It's not my practice, because I sold it a year ago to a dentist that worked with me for eight years and I'm a contractor working in there now. It's a old Queenslander, very pretty building. We're very lucky the way that it turned out. But you don't have to have a beautiful practice to have a successful business. We were on the first floor above a real estate agent for 15 years before we moved here. And um, certainly it's nice working in a big uh, open practice, but uh, you don't need it to run a successful business. So. Um, Practice systems. I can read this out or you can read it, but the important thing is it's all background for you in the terms of we need to have some systems. We all, you'll get 15 or 16 systems out of this today. Some of it you will go, yeah, I understand that. I've got human, re human resources nailed or I understand about this or that. But there'll be blind spots that each of you have, whether you're a practice manager or a, or a practitioner. And if nothing else, you will at least be able to see the areas where you may have gaps. Uh, and you may need to focus attention on them. So by putting them in a systemised way, you're able to then calculate how the business is going and work out what you need to work on. So some of these are going to be more important than others and some are going to be less important and we'll spend less time on. Uh, but each of them will be covered to some extent. So uh, I will try and stick pretty uh, close to time. I think time's really important. Some would say I'm obsessive compulsive about it, but that's not true. Um, as we go through, we'll try and be balanced about it all as we go. However, we can be flexible and if someone particularly, if the whole audience, if I read the audience wants to pursue a certain line, we can drop off something as we go along, providing everyone's happy. 
So what we want you to be able to do at the end of this is to create systems or at least understand what systems there are. Um, I haven't spoken about the software companies that are here and they will be introduced as the day goes on, but this is to be, uh, as you can see by the two computers here and all the stuff, I believe that IT and software is very important in running a dental practice. You don't have to do it to the extent that we do, but there is so much that is available that you can integrate within your practice. Um, so as time, at the end of each session, there will be a panel discussion where the software representatives and I, I'll probably um, be the MC for that section and direct questions, but you'll be able to talk to them. If you haven't got a practice software system, then you'll be in a good position to decide what to use after today. Hopefully one of the brands that are here. Uh, the general aims of systems are, and this is a combination of experience, uh, business practice, but it's really in dental practice to make it predictable. Human beings like things to be predictable. We like to come into work and everything is managed and good. Some people like to have a bit of excitement and that's fine. Uh, they can be oral surgeons, I guess, but for the rest of us we like to come into work and know what's going to happen. It's got to be profitable because it's not profitable, you're not going to be able to continue to practice and you won't be able to pay your staff, reinvest in education or whatever. And consistency is uh, the thing that we're also aiming at, that you can come in and have a predictable, consistent day where you produce the same sort of work to the same standards and uh, at the end of the day you you've know what you're going to create and do. The staff have to be made accountable and the reason that they have to be is the practice systems have to be ongoing. We all have the problem where you have a good <coughs> core of people, you might have um, ten people working in your practice and everyone knows what's required, what's expected and it all goes well and then three of them leave and the whole systems fall down. We're going to talk about how you can prevent that happening. And that core knowledge has to be retained in the practice. Now I'm not a believer in writing 300 page manuals because why do you think that I don't think you should write a 300 page manual? It's the first question. This is called Socratic teaching this bit here. So um, why aren't we going to have a 300 page manual? Anyone? Exactly. You win a chocolate for that. Everyone, everyone's given a prize for their contribution. They're probably a little bit heavier than they should be, so why don't you start walking around? Um, that's right, because if you have a 300-page manual, particularly if it's a written one, it's going to sit down the back with the radiation safety plan, and until you get an audit, you're not going to look at it. So I'm not saying you shouldn't have things written down, but they should be in the form of brief documents that would be stored on, for example, your practice server. How many of you here have computers in some involved in administration in your practice here? Uh, the majority, we'd say. Um, most of you would have a number of uh, machines, workstations and a network. Who has a network in their practice? Okay. If you've got a network in your practice, you'll have a server destination for documents. Um, and what you need to do is have some of these documents stored on the server and they can be continually updated so that if someone wants to refer to them they just pick them up as a PDF or a, or a Word document. So the old days of, uh, and I think we've all seen them where you have a big sort of um, lever arch file which is, you know, uh, this is the problem, refer to page 300, what to do when a patient says they're going to sue you and kill you. That, it's just irrelevant, so we won't be talking about developing practice manuals, but you will decide how much this needs to be written for your practice. Once you've got the systems, if you do develop the systems, we've got to know what's going well, what's going less than well, uh, why it is not going well, and what we're going to do to fix it, um, and also obviously maximise the effect. And this is something that dentists don't, as a rule, do too well. We like to come to these seminars and we go home chock-a-block with the angry pills and we sit down with our staff and we 
we say, look, I went to this great course that's unlikely to happen from this one, but you might go home and say, I've got some good ideas. And the first thing they're going to do is resist everything that you've said because, uh, you know, you'll get over it. Another three days, it'll be forgotten. So unless you monitor the progress, nothing is going to change. This is not something I'm going to be able to go into because, um, uh, well, A, I don't think you can fix this, but B, um, it's just too much time. But leadership and management skills, I can certainly help perhaps with some management skills and point you to some resources. But leadership is one of those things in management that some people believe you can teach. Some of it's innate and some of it can't be taught at all. So uh, ability to manage, ability to show leadership and ability to uh, delegate are very important. So any system, I should have put brackets after that almost, is often better than no system. Um, we want predictability, we want consistency, we want an expectation that can be met. And when I say high quality, I don't mean in the sense that um, Neil as a prosthodontist might mean it as a quality restoration, but quality in an engineering sense, which means, does anyone know what quality in an engineering sense means? Tolerance. To tolerance or, I think that's probably chocolate worthy. Um, it's uh, it's a consistency in that it works with intolerances so that if you do a restoration, it's going to be the same every time. So if you do an MO on an upper five, for example, in resin, that the contact's going to be good, there's going to be no decay, there's going to be occlusal form, etc., and that's going to be the same each time. So I won't throw this at you, it's too far. These aren't expensive chocolates, but they're very good. Um, do you have Aldi down here? I'm sure you do, Aldi supermarkets. Yep, they have occasionally good chocolate, which is very cheap, so I can afford to give it away. Um, the other thing about expectations is that one of the things that we should do, and we'll get on this later, is lower patient expectations. There's a tension in practice between marketing. And so you go to your patient and say, look, this is so simple, we're just going to whack a couple of bolts in, sticks and bridges in, away we go. Now, what you're doing is raising expectations about quality, raising expectations about ease of procedure. And that just means you are so more likely to come undone medico-legally and also in patients' unhappiness because uh, the patient goes away, the brochures say it takes three steps and it's done, and of course you get complications, so wherever possible we should lower patient expectations. So we can, to use an example, we can say, look, these root canal treatment is really effective, it's really difficult, it doesn't always work, 5% of them fail in five years, um, it's not pleasant, um, but I think it's the right thing to do. Now that's one way of selling root canal treatment to a patient, or you can say that it's uh, really effective, it's the best fun you've ever had, can't wait to do it, never have any problems. Now. If you use a second way, you're going to sell a lot of root canal treatments, but you're going to have a lot of unhappy patients. The first way, you're going to sell less root canal treatments, but your patients are going to be more content. So there's this tension between the two, and you need to decide where on that continuum that you sit. Mm -hmm.